is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another edition of FUVFC. Nick Guzman here alongside Chris Carino and Chris Shepard making his on-air debut for WFUV Sports. Happy to have you here with us, Chris. Two Chris's and a Nick will talk you through all the comings and goings of this week in soccer first i'll start with you chris carino how you doing yeah, you got to give us looks when you're talking to us you can't just i, know. I think i'm gonna names. call you carino and i'll call you shepherd um Perfect. i'm doing well uh it's an it's a kind of overcast thursday it's kind of i know. haven't seen the sun since like since last week like probably like last for thursday last friday it's nice coming up on you know what next week it's gonna be 70s to 80s like all week long it'll be absolutely fantastic but i keep getting lied to by the weather app every time i leave my apartment it says it's going to be 60 i walk outside it's like 45 degrees out i don't understand um but yeah besides that i'm doing pretty well chris yeah i'm doing great uh glad to be making my uh wfuv debut and i couldn't have asked for two better partners to do it with uh so uh have a great show yeah we've got a lot to talk about but not a lot of time to do it so we're going to start with some local soccer in the bronx considering how uh, the New York Red Bulls and NYCFC season have been uh, uh, so far this year. I think you could say maybe Fordham soccer is some of the more captivating stuff going on in the tri-state area. Uh, Fordham women's soccer had a game on Monday against Yale. Chris, you were on the call for that one. They lost 4-1. But I'll start with you, Carino. Just your general thoughts on how they performed, considering you were you were the one making it making it work yeah it's an interesting time they're at in their season they had kind of just like a taste of in-conference play in the a10 they had three games had a mixed bag of results with a win a loss and a draw so they don't really know their identity they don't really know how good they are yet i don't think um and yale's definitely not a team you want to play to see how good you are because they're extremely good um a team that was top 10 in the uh, preseason coaches poll for the region along with the rest of the ivy league which kind of just dominates every year in women's soccer but um the game for the game actually uh, you kind of look at it and uh Serena Mensa is in goal instead of Kyla King. Kyla King is the usual starter, but they had some mix-ups between the sticks, so they had to change up a little bit. Um, Julia Holton, um, we talked just about that defense with uh, Olivia Redden, and then we talked about Emily Krako as well. Those three girls, along with Guth on the right wing, on the right back, it could be deferred sometimes, but they really are the kind of anchor of this team, and obviously um, you know, Yale won in a you know 4-1 win that didn't look necessarily too competitive, but if you're going to look for kind of a bright spot on this team, it's definitely going to be be Krakow and Redden, that duo, especially with Redden and her insane throw-ins and her insane free kicks. She's just so valuable for this team. Um, but Yale was just you know too much, yeah. too fast, too talented for them. Yeah, I completely agree. First of all, I have to commend you on a great call, Mr. Carino. Appreciate uh, it. I loved it. Um, 
Yeah, I completely agree. I actually thought for the first 15 to 20 minutes of this game, Fordham were playing some really solid yeah. soccer. They were truly trying to take it to the Yale Bulldogs. Um, but ultimately, like you said, Yale just had superior composure, superior talent, as we saw in the first goal. Anita Thorvald's daughter, the Icelandic, uh, beautiful creativity in the box to get that ball to mm-hmm. Phillips. And Absolutely. from there, it was just a kind of bloodbath. But like you said, if there were any positives, takeaways that uh, Fordham could take away from the game, it's going to be that center-back pairing of Redden and Krakow. I thought they held up very well. What are the storm when Yale played more of their possession-based game? And I really like them going forward. Like you said, Redden very solid on set pieces. And yeah, I thought it was a very great introduction to uh, Fordham women's soccer. And going forward, I hope to learn more about this team. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about attacking for the this Fordham women's team, it's you know women like Carolyn Monahan, Ryan Lucas, mm-hmm. and Riley Carroll. They're kind of the usual suspects in the attacking sense. But really, where they lost this game was where you know Yale really started controlling the pace of play. They really slowed it down. Really became their game at that point. That's where it kind of mm-hmm. got lost for Fordham a little bit. Um, a girl, a woman like Anika Bryant subbing on for Yale. She's just so talented and just can create space against any players. Like I saw her take on, and she was absolutely fantastic for them. One of the reasons why they were able to control that pace of play but yeah it was just uh, an overall control and dominance from Yale that I just don't think Fordham's at the level of yet yeah and the Fordham women's team now sit at three six and two overall one one and one Atlantic 10 play it's the second year under uh head coach uh Magnus, Magnus Nillerud. There you I go. I have not done women's games since <laughs> last year, go. but Coach Magnus has always been such a great guy yeah, to talk to and always open to chat with us, which I've always been really appreciative of. The men's team on the on the other side of it, they've got a game on Saturday against Davidson. I'll be on the call for that one. They just lost their first conference game on Saturday, but I think we'll move on towards some, the European scale. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal against Spurs this past weekend was the the – the main attraction, you could also say the Atle- uh, the Madrid Derby, Atletico against Real Madrid also lived up to the hype. But we'll focus on Arsenal against Spurs. It finished a 2-2 draw on Sunday. Hyunmin Sun with two goals for Spurs and Romero own, girl- own goal. Got Arsenal on the board and then a Bukayo Saka penalty, a controversial penalty in the eyes of some. But 2-2 draw, and going into this game, Spurs were playing about as good soccer as, as we've seen them play in a long, long time. They were flying under Ange Postacoglu, and they looked good against Arsenal. Getting the draw, getting you know two goals from Sun, and for Arsenal, I think another big talking point that we're going to have to get into, I think we'll start with just general thoughts on the game with you, Carino, but the fact that David Raya seems to be, that might be the direction that they want to go in goal, yeah. as opposed to Aaron Rams, though, but I think I'll just start with your general thoughts on 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 the North London Derby. It's interesting you bring that up. I just saw a clip today of Aaron Ramsdale. He like makes some sort of save and the play is still happening in the box and he turns around to yell at the Tottenham fans. It's just like so bizarre. It shows that maybe his mental isn't necessarily where it needs to be right now. He's been very spotty and he hasn't been Aaron Ramsdale over this last, you know, month or so. But, you know, for the game, if we talk about the game, obviously expectations, you know, vary depending on the North London Derby. It's one of the biggest games of the year, obviously. But I de- I genuinely think the general public is downplaying how good this um, Tottenham Spurs team, Tottenham Spurs team is obviously as a Chelsea fan, you know, painful to say that. But when we talk talk about Big Ange, it seems like they almost hit the nail on the head. And then when you talk about a guy like James Madison, that's a superstar right there. A guy who maybe his talents are going undervalued at Leicester, really getting put on the big stage now. He was absolutely fantastic. And then Son is Son. Son has been fantastic for almost a decade now. He'll continue to be fantastic. And yeah, couldn't say any more great things about Tottenham. Really feels like in a draw, there's always at least one team that gets the moral victory it seems like Tottenham was that team 
Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, first of all, it was a great game for the neutrals, but if you were either an Arsenal or a Spurs fan, I would say Spurs fans will be definitely happier with the game. Uh, Big Ange has definitely created a very positive mentality, obviously bringing in younger players and players that weren't necessarily utilized under the Mourinho or Conte regime in guys like Basuma and Pape Matasar playing yeah. brilliant football and obviously uh, James Madison coming in and doing a job in the midfield as well. And then Big Son um, getting those two goals. Uh, great game from him. But uh, I actually think like Spurs will feel a bit hard done by here because uh, they definitely had uh, the initiative at the end of the game to go and win it. And if you look at their two goals, um, the two goals Arsenal scored, rather, um, they came from a Christian Ramiro own goal that was kind of bizarre, and then the sack of penalty was just kind of unfortunate for Ramiro as well. So overall, I really do think Spurs will take a lot from this game, and Arsenal are just left with a couple of questions, like um, why didn't Leandro Trossard come on? I don't think he played a single minute in that game, and I think he could have helped them on the wing. The Declan Rice injury as well, and obviously, how is Kai Havertz going to fit into this team? But overall, it was a very entertaining game that both teams can take a lot away from. Yeah, I think Spurs were a little unlucky. I think in a different world, you know, you, you consider that Romero own, girl, own goal when Saka just kind of cuts inside and it's a swing and a miss from Ro Romero. You know, on a different day, that doesn't happen, and, and, and Spurs walk away from the Emirates with a win. Yeah. On this show, I said like three weeks ago that James Madison was better than Kai Havertz and Mason Mount, and that that was a better uh, move. And I, don't, I didn't understand why age like wine. Why either United yeah, or Arsenal weren't in for a guy like James Madison? And I got a little bit of pushback. I don't really remember who it was from, but I got pushback, and I remember when I get pushback. And I just think that take has aged keeps receipts quite well. I keep receipts on the stuff that I'm right Shout about, out Dion. not the yeah. stuff that I'm wrong about. But it aged like wine. It did with those two guys, especially. The the midfield sort of the central trio of, of Madison Basuma and then Sar is like it works so well. Yeah, and the, you know those two stay at home and allows Madison to do essentially whatever he wants going up the field and create you know all these chances. And you have Son up front. You wonder how Spurs were going to be able to you know score goals without their club legend, without Harry Kane when he moves to Bayern Munich. And and Hyunmin Son has picked up the slack and he had a little bit of a down year last year, but he's been he's been finishing and, and scoring goals this year. And I think for Spurs, it's this season has gone just about as good as you possibly could have hoped so far in Ranch Postacoglu. And I can understand why you would want more, but I think a 2-2 two, a two -two draw at the Emirates is never a bad result, especially when this Arsenal team has title aspirations. Even though they're not going to win it or come close, they have title aspirations. Um, so I think when you consider the way Spurs performed in a game like this, on the road against a top team, there's just... It's hard to find like anything bad that's going on at Tottenham right now. Yeah, truly. And then we kind of flip it on the other side. It seemed like Arsenal was having that kind of fairy tale start to the season, kind of similar to last year as well. But they've kind of simmered down a little bit. I mean, obviously, the Declan Rice winner was a moment for their season, and you need those to have a you know winning side. But then again, you look at it and it's like, oh, they beat Man United. A lot of teams do that. That's not like special anymore. Shout out Griffin Stevenson, who was just in there. He left. But I do think that when you kind of look at this, it should be a little bit of panic setting in for this Arsenal team. I know this Tottenham team is way better than people think, and maybe that'll cause some overreaction. But this Arsenal team isn't playing to the quality that I think that they should be. And I think Arsenal fans should be a tiny bit worried. If not, not you know, filled with anxiety, but just a little bit of worry should you know definitely be natural. Absolutely, yeah. Um, definitely a lot of questions that can be asked of Mikel Arteta's decision-making. Um, 
the transfer window is kind of questionable. Obviously, you get a player of Declan Rice's quality, and I think he's going to be a great fit, but right now he's kind of working his way in. But then you look at a player like Kai Havertz, and you think, well, where does he fit into this team? He doesn't. He pl- yeah, I mean, he really doesn't. Um, but overall, I think Arsenal will get going. I don't think they'll be the main title challengers to City. We've got teams like Spurs. Obviously, I think they're going to be around there. Um, Liverpool is playing very well. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely there's a couple of questions to be asked of Arsenal, but I still think they're going to get it going as the season goes along. Yeah, Liverpool have mastered that, concede the first goal, and then score the next yeah. three and walk away with a 3-1 <laughs> they win. Love that, yeah. If their last four that. results are 3-1 yeah. wins in that same fashion. They love that. There were questions about Liverpool's midfield coming into this season, but it seems like... They're for real. They're for yeah, real. They're for real. And, it, it, and, you know, McAllister and Sabasly and Curtis Jones oh, in there, people fantastic. were thinking about how the balance would be with that midfield three, but it's been... It's been good, and and they've they're flying, and they they look as of right now maybe as the most legitimate challenger to Manchester City. Yeah, my uh, one of my roommates is playing kickoff on the new FC Twenty Four, which we dabbled into earlier in the living room of our apartment earlier, and he played Dom. Uh, how do you say his last name? Sabasly. Sabasly on the right striker, and then he played Gapo at the left striker. I don't know in real life because Dom is scoring at high <laughs> rates and is striking the ball. Be interesting to see if they bring him up into the attack. I think that might be beneficial for them. Obviously, they don't have that kind of you know strong attack in the middle that they did with Firmino all those years. It's a little it's a little weaning between Gapo and Nunez. I think a guy like that, especially a guy who's hot playing well, would be interesting to see what he could do up there. And I think they might not do that just because of how much attacking yeah, talent they have out there, whether it's Gakpo or Jota or Luis Diaz. They have this guy, Mo Salah, uh, too. Mo Salah, Salah. Salah. cannot yeah. forget about Mo Salah. But Liverpool, I think, have surprised a lot of people, and they look like the most legitimate challengers for Manchester City. But yeah. you look at the Premier League table, and City are not – they haven't slipped up. It doesn't look like they're – to be fair, they haven't played a, a big six team yeah. yet, although usually they just kind of run through those the big six anyway. Yeah. But if you want to put an asterisk on, on their perfect start through six games, you could say that. But it's not a very big asterisk when you consider the talent of that team and the fact they've won three prems in a row. Um, but I think when you look at looking ahead for, for, for a team like Tottenham, they face Liverpool this weekend. That's a big, big matchup. Arsenal right. will go to Bournemouth. But Tottenham against Spurs are two teams that have started this season, uh, or Tottenham against Liverpool, rather, are two teams that have started the season extremely well and find themselves in the top four of the Premier League in the early stages. And feel like a win for either one of these teams would be enough to sort of would be a a, a a good spot for them to sort of springboard springboard off into a potential title challenge yeah absolutely i think it's one of those measuring stick games i mean it's really you have a few games in every season could tell you how good and how talented your team is and just how together your team is as well this is definitely one of those this weekend and i think when you look at sort of that top four you've got city you've got liverpool and then you've got brighton who have Stormed out of the gate. Did they do anything yesterday? Would they do? This was about to be. A, this was about to be a segue, Chris. I I, I called it. I, I caught it as it was happening. You've got Brighton and Hove Albion who have won five games and lost one in the Prem, but in the Carabao Cup, they're done. They they struggle. Yeah. They struggle. Um, I, so I don't know how much stocky Chelsea defeated Brighton uh, yesterday, one nil in the Carabao Cup, and our you know team. you can. Uh, yes, it's me and Chris's team. You can. You can't put a lot of stock into the Carabao Cup. I'll say that. But I think at this point, Chelsea need any kind of positives that they could possibly get. Yeah. And, you know, beating Brighton at home is not be- – it's not like beating Brighton at home, you know, four years ago when they were finishing – when they were barely escaping no. rele- relegation. 
This is now a team that's sort of filled with absolute ballers and not sort of yeah. they filled are with absolute ballers. Matoma, yeah. Matoma is so nice. Yeah, and now they have Ansu Fati. Sort of, that's that's it. That's one of my favorite transfers in recent times. And Ansu Fati's Brighton because like why? But it, it makes sense. And their midfield's worth like forty dollars, and it's as class as any other midfield in the league. Yeah, it's and bizarre. So yes, it's the Carabao Cup. Yes, both teams rotated a little bit, but a when, little, a lot. But, not not our not no, our side. But, but, them, yeah. but yeah. But when you when you when you're a Chelsea team right now who need any sort of positives that they could possibly get in this Premier League season, they currently sit 14th with a win, two draws, and and three losses under their belt. So winning the Carabao Cup is is good, especially when you get a second half goal from Nicholas Jackson, who's supposed to be the guy scoring the goals. Should have had a second too. I don't think he was, he was not offside. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, I had a stat um, I wanted to bring up before. Um, when we look at Chelsea over the last calendar year in 2023, Leicester City has more points than they were. They got relegated in May, so that kind of just tells you where Chelsea kind of is as a squad. But I genuinely think they outplayed Brighton. It wasn't one of those games where they snuck one in and Brighton kind of controlled the you know pace of play, as we talked about before the whole game. Definitely seemed like Chelsea was dominating this game. It felt for the first time this season like guys were playing up to their ability, especially a guy like Ben Chilwell. I felt like he really... I always you know complain about him every time I watch, but it really felt like he was making the right plays out there. Connor Gallagher subs on late in that game. Can we just get rid of that guy? He's terrible. Every time he touches the ball, he does something wrong. I remember when he used to score bangers for Crystal Palace and everyone was like, he's... Chelsea need him back. Yeah, and then he scored that really good one with the Pulisic assist when he first got to Chelsea, and then ever since then he's you know done nothing, even though he gets the captain's ban. I digress, but a guy like Enzo subbing in, especially late in that game when his replacement already got an assist on the Nicholas Jackson goal, I think is a great place for them to be. Along with Mudrick, who was just putting in good minutes, able to get subbed out, I think the rotation, I, you're looking at me weird. You're so positive about a team that... One one nil at home in the Carabao Cup to a top six team in the league after we've been absolutely atrocious for yeah. recent history and I just need to get excited, Goose. I know when I watch these Prem games and I see us 14th in the league and I when, when you watch the games we should, we're not that bad. We're not. We're not a. Four, we're not the fourteenth best team in the Prem. We're objectively not. We create too many chances. We control the game too much. You got to score those chances though. And that'll happen though, Goose. Will it? Yeah. You don't. It you didn't think, happen last year. But yesterday it did. It happened twice yesterday actually. <laughs> Only one of them counted though. Yeah, but should, both There's, of them should like have counted. I'm just not as uh, nearly as optimistic as you are. I think the more that these guys who who we've spent a fortune on gel. Right. The better, yeah. definitely. The, the more they play under Pochettino, Shout out Caicedo. the better. He was good yesterday. Moises Caicedo, who's co- kind of been clowned on through the first couple games. Revenge but, game yesterday. But revenge game yesterday. Again, in the Carabao Cup. I think if Chelsea can come out on, they played Monday night against Fulham, um, and if they can put in another good performance on the road in the Prem, maybe score two goals this time, maybe win 2-0, 2-1, something like that, then I'll, I'll start to be a little more optimistic about this team's chances. But I'd also see a world where Tim Ream just locks down. Nicholas Jackson. Yeah. It's interesting. I I don't know if Nicholas. It's interesting with Nicholas because I don't know if he's a system guy or he's out there making plays and making us genuinely better. Not sure yet, but I'm on the Nicholas Jackson hype train. I've been on the Nicholas Jackson hype train. He wears 15 and plays striker for Chelsea. How am I not, Chris? As someone who's not a Chelsea guy, where do you stand? Good question. Sort of yeah. in this because we're. I think we're both fans, but we're on different sides of the spectrum in terms of optimism right now. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. Obviously, it is the Carabao Cup. Right in our team that is in Europe, they're constantly rotating players. But as Chris is saying, I think you have to take this win and look at all the bright spots. Cole Palmer and Nico Jackson played very, very well this game. Great goal from both of them. 
I Pal- think yeah, Palmer had the assist I was yes, talking about earlier. Palmer had the assist. Uh, I think going forward, though, it's a big question of how are all these young talents and then the experienced players going to fit together? Obviously, it's good that Jackson is playing, but obviously you have a guy like Nkunku who's injured right now who could come in, and how is Poach going to balance these minutes? How is he going to get players like Ugachukwu who played yesterday, um, Chukwameka who played yesterday as well, I think, um, into this team? And I think, obviously, you take the win, but you also look at it as, oh, it's the Carabao Cup, Brighton's a team who's obviously thinking of Europe. So I think that although Chelsea should be proud of themselves, I think they're still a work in progress. It's all momentum. Like, mm-hmm. sure, this win isn't exactly what they needed, but they just beat Brighton, who's a good team. The bridge was jumping. It would seem like a good environment. Like, it's just all about momentum, I feel like. And obviously, going into the weekend, they needed some motivation. I mean, their motiv- their um, confidence level must have just been at an all-time low going into this game. And I just, it was just, it's a good way to set yourself up for the next couple weeks, I think. What's 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 the Reese James status? Is he anywhere? Is he anywhere close? I don't think he I mean, is. He's not back in training. And Gusto got a red. Although I did see that that Reese still managed to get involved. He got charged after by the FA for abusive language towards an official. I know. After the and Gusto is getting a red as well. Gusto getting a red, which he doesn't even play at like attack. He doesn't. He doesn't like play hard enough to get a red. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not out there doing that much. He's not he getting, getting stuck in for it. Yeah. For a, he's for not McAllister who's getting you know carded every game. But I. I, I, I I love when you say I digress because you say the most. <laughs> well, because a guy like McAllister is a guy who's all over the place making these plays constantly. And, yeah, he's getting the cards, but it's not because he's overly aggressive yeah. or, like, not, you know, disciplined. It's just because he's doing so much. And a guy like Gusto shouldn't be getting red cards. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I just – when I look at this Chelsea team, I like what I've seen out of Nicholas Jackson, but I don't know if there's enough goals in this attack. And, and, and just based on what these guys have done in their careers – what we've seen this year, and you know, no matter how how pretty the play is in the buildup, someone has to be there to put the put the ball in the back of the net. And I feel like it's been the story for Chelsea, dating back the last three four managers. And you know, who was the last consistent goal scorer Chelsea Football Club had? Tam- Tammy Abraham, 2019-20? It's been a long time. It's been a long. I, it's been I, a long time. My my mind directly goes to Diego Costa. So that's probably a bad. That's probably a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, that's you're talking twenty sixteen <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, but I think. That's an issue that I think Chelsea this season, you focus on building through Poch and building through that system. But I think once you hit the transfer window in the next summer, you got to start thinking about if Nicholas Jackson isn't the guy who's going to score 15, 20 goals for you, then you know you need a goal scorer. He is, though. Just give him a, just like give him more than six games. I'll give him a chance. I'm just saying. Also, I think Mudrick should be starting in this side. I think mm-hmm. starting Sterling is so counterproductive. And like, what's the point of that? Okay. Do you not agree? I listen when when Mudrick when Mudrick sprints and he gets by a guy, I'm like, wow, that guy's fast. Sure. That guy's really awesome. Then when he does all the other stuff that you have to do in the game of soccer, I'm like, okay, this guy's probably not that good. Why be spend seventy million dollars on him? But also, it's like with Sterling, I don't think it's productive in any way because you're not like you're not evolving. No, you're right. Him. You're not. Like he's he's what he is. You know what Raheem Sterling is, yes. and what he what he is is he was better five years ago. So why are we not playing Mudrick? Because you might as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, yeah, Sterling has not been lighting. The I didn't world. mean to throw a wrench. No, but. no, no. You're, I guess, I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I, I think, 
playing someone like Sterling consistently when he's underperforming, there's really there's not a ton of yeah of value to that, especially when you're struggling anyway. And we have stability in that midfield now because we spent a billion dollars getting Enzo and Moses. You would hope a billion dollars yeah. would get you some kind of stability. So I think to wrap up this episode, it's been a short one. We had a little bit of a problem with our studio time. No technical difficulties. So it's fine. A little technical difficulties. Not our fault, but we scheduled on Sunday like you're supposed to. Not everybody else did. Okay. You just spit in the fact. I digress. <laughs> Looking ahead in this Premier League season, you know, City obviously are, are, are top dogs, and they have been top dogs. No, one's, no one is, is arguing against that. But for a team like Liverpool or Spurs or Arsenal, is finishing second behind City, is that, would you consider that a success? Yeah, 100%. They're so untouchable, dude. They're so untouchable. And it's crazy that we've gotten to this point, considering, you know, the title races we had between Liverpool and City, you know, 2019-20, the year before when, when, when Liverpool lost the league despite having, what was it, 98 points, something ridiculous. But it, we're, it seems like we're in a spot now where City are just clear. Mm-hmm. The time will pass, though. Like it as will I, pass. As I said well. before, everyone's complaining, like, oh, why don't we get, get them out of the league and all this stuff. It's like everything comes and no, goes. Pe- Pep, will, yeah. Pep will not stay at City forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk to any Man City fan after Man U won the uh, treble, what was that, 30 years ago? Probably would have had the same things to say about Man United. It's just how the tides go. It'll eventually turn back, but I, I, it's their time right now, and they should mm-hmm. be enjoying it, and I think Pep will eventually... I don't think Pep's there much longer, either. Yeah. And, yeah. Their, their recruitment, too, is just like, mm-hmm. like someone like Jeremy Doku, who, like, like, who likes he's a great young winger and never, he was on people's radars but like he's never really produced like that much in, in League One but then he comes to Man City and he looks like an absolute dog team of the week first week of the season on, on FC24 actually fantastic yeah so great. that'll just about do it for this week's edition for F, of FUV FC it was a short one this week but I promise we'll be back next week with a longer episode Nick Guzman Chris Carino and Chris Shepard how was your first time awesome uh, great to be here Awesome. So we'll be back next week with more FUVFC. This is a production of WFUV Sports. Thanks for tuning in.